but he was known as the weeping prophet. I want to talk to you today, today about joy because it doesn't always display itself as fruity and flaky and happy and flippant. There's a serious joy in God. There's a serious joy. It's a deep current that can be stopped by nothing. That's real joy. It's the joy and suffering that God talks about that Christians live in, 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 in this life. The joy that is the hope set before us so that we can count all things as lost for the glory of Jesus Christ. I want to display that joy to you today. And not just today, but it's been on my heart a lot to, to create a culture of joy in this church. Joy. If this is going to be a church that impacts people, it's got to be full of joy. Real joy. You're going to display joy different than I display joy. And that's okay. We get, we get, we got to be full of joy. I, I pray that you're coming to these worship services. We'll fill you full of the knowledge of God, not for wisdom that puffs up, but for theology that gets in your heart and gives you that deep current of joy. Whether it comes across as a smile or a tear, be filled with the joy of the Lord. So I say that today because we are in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. And it's been a challenge to me this week in praying and seeking God in how to deliver God's word to you. This is for you. It's for me, but it's, it's, it's for you too, okay? This is, this is to do it in a way that's not a sword-cutting people, but a gracious, gentle word from a God who loves you very much and wants you to experience his joy all the time. <laughs> all the time. So Ephesians 5, 3, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 7 is where we are in the book of Ephesians today. And if you're new to the church, I cannot tell you how important it is, I think, that churches go through the books of the Bible. And it forces you to teach things you wouldn't teach. It, it makes God's people well-rounded. And you're not just fruity out there filling the vibe of something and saying it. It's grounding. It's grounding. So that's why we do what we do here at Journey. Now, I'm going to start today in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to build up a little bit of a platform and then we'll get to the text and then we'll be done. It should be pretty quick. But Matthew 13 verse 44. Hear the word of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like this. You want to know where it's like, where I'm taking you? You want to know how valuable and beautiful heaven is? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Picture this, the greatest treasure you could imagine. Hidden in a field, and you stumble upon it. your lucky day, right? Total a treasure chest, $10 trillion. Would you not sell everything you had to possess that field? Please understand, Jesus said, when I open blind eyes, I'm not talking about physical eyes, 
Physically blind, blind people can open their eyes all day long and not see. Talking about the Ephesians 1, eyes of the heart that God has to open. And when God opens those eyes, you will see the kingdom of God. And you will treasure it above everything in the world. This is what Jesus is talking about. Everything in life will become rubbish to you. When you see the beauty of God. Do you see it? Everything in life will become rubbish to you. When you see the value of God. We should pray every 10 minutes of our life. God, I'm getting idolatrous. This is why I picked this song we sung before I preached. We're going to sing it again when I get done. God, I'm getting idolatrous. Please, open the eyes of my heart to you and let me see your beauty in everything. That right there, we don't even have to go any farther. That would change your life. Jesus said, in his joy, because he found this great treasure in the field, everything became rubbish. He went and sold everything he had so he could buy that field, not for the field, but for the treasure that was in the field. And then he said, let me, let me give you another example if that one didn't work. This is from God. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man in search of fine pearls. He's like Woody Justice. <laughs> if you've lived in Springfield for a while, you know the walk of walk of diamonds, right? Come on, somebody. Okay. He's like a merchant man in search of fine pearls who on finding this one pearl of great value, he sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is saying, when I open the eyes of your heart and you see me, everything else in this world will become rubbish to you. Worth nothing. And that is so freeing. So, I know most of us excuse me, I know most of us aren't going to confess to being idolaters because we don't think we are. Follow me for a minute, okay? Please. Let the Lord soften your heart. heart. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. This is the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to read the the first one or two here. I'm going to start in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. This is a good jealousy. He loves you so much. He wants you to be full of his joy. And he's jealous over you. When we turn our joy to things that are not of God. He said, I will visit the inequity, visit the inequity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, those who reject me, those who love something more than me. I will show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. No one wants to confess to being an idolater. I know, it's tough. so easy to look back at the times past and say they were such idolaters. <laughs> These dudes took trees and hewed them out and made idols out of them and worshipped them and so easy to do that. So easy to say that Praying to a statue is idolatry. Bowing before a wall and praying is idolatry. Flying planes into a building for false gods is idolatry. Throwing babies to crocodiles in Africa because they worship them, because they're afraid of them. It's a great act of idolatry. And it's easy to point our finger and say, look at their idolatries, God. I'm glad I'm not that way. I don't know the story exactly, but I th- I, I, the point I think will come across because I, I was told many years ago of a story of a foreign mission. I believe it was from Africa. Like, you know, like the headhunting tribes in Africa, like way out there, and, and he comes over to America. And the guy was touring him around. It was just in awe because this, 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 this African headhunting tribe, you know, kind of guys over here in America almost just stunned at the idolatry. He said, I see on every corner food markets. These people worship their bellies. (laughs) We've grown so numb to it, we don't even see it. point I hope you can see today is that we commit the sin of idolatry so much in our lives and we don't even realize it. Idolatry stifles joy. Idolatry stifles your joy. Doesn't seem like it would. Seems like if I had the next bigger house, the next bigger car, the next bigger bank account, the next raise. Joy killer, joy killer, joy killer, joy killer. not in the right priority. It doesn't have to be a joy killer when we receive it with thanksgiving unto God. Idolatry. This can be eye-opening. Idolatry is a heart issue. Idolatry is a heart issue. Paul laid out clearly in Colossians 3, 1 through 6 what idolatry is. 
the apostle said, hey guys, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are from above. Have you been regenerated? Have you been born again of the water and of the spirit? Let me say something right there. Often in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was talked about as water. <laughs> so when Jesus says, have you been born again of the water and of the spirit, he's talking about, have you been baptized in my spirit? That's what he's talking about. And, and, and if you've, if you've, if you've, if you've, not if you've had some crazy spiritual experience, mind you. Okay, but like if, if you love God, let me ask you something. Because here's how you know if you've been born again of the Spirit. Do you love God perfectly? What's the answer to that? No, no one can. Do you love God as much as you should? No. Otherwise you would love Him perfectly. But, but and I'm talking about the Bible, Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus? Do you, do you, do you love Jesus? Not the thought of Him, not, not the... Not the whatever accolades of it, not the blessings of it. Do you love Jesus? Because if you do, your heart's not dead. You've been born again of the Spirit. And Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, hey guys, seek, seek the things that are above. See, we get so distracted. We're looking like this. Paul says, look like this. And he said, set your minds. Listen to that. Set your minds on the things that are above. Not on the things that are of the earth. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many times do we set our minds to the things of the earth? I constantly set my mind. It's very embarrassing to the things of the earth. I do. It's different for everybody. It's embarrassing for me because of my idolatries when we don't have a worship band. It's embarrassing for me on my failures as a pastor to y'all because of my idolatries. Paul says, put to death. Put it to death, guys. That which is earthly in you. Then he gets real specific. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, because all these things are idolatry. We don't think we're idols because we're not praying before a statue, but when you're fornicating, you are an idolater. We don't think we're idolaters because we're not worshiping statues, but when you look at pornography, that is idolatry. So let's define our idols. I've already hit a few. Sex outside of the biblical balance of marriage. Now you see, these things don't have to be idols because God gave this as a gift for a man and a woman that are married. But anything outside of that, you're in idolatry. Food is idolatry. PlayStation 4s can be idols. Entertainment 
Your Android phone is a huge idol. What are you looking at and worshiping all day long? Apple iPhones, your appearance on social media, idol. How do I look? If I was on social media, I would follow the guy that was like, man, my car broke down today. <laughs> Alcohol can be an idol. doesn't have to be. TV, husbands, your wives, wives, your husbands, your family, your sports, your work. Here's one that hurts. Your religion. I don't even know how much I should say about this. I didn't plan on saying this. When you pray to be seen of men, welcome to idolatry. What did Jesus say about prayer? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And we post all over social media, I'm praying for you. I think Jesus would have a problem with that. Oh, interesting. Let me just hit idolatry right in the heart with an arrow, because here it is. Self-indulgence. I am so self-indulgent. God, I am an idolater. Please forgive me. Let me tell you why this is such a big problem to God and why it's the first of the commandments. In Deuteronomy 6.4, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, just like the song we sang, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now, if that's the first commandment, what would be the most hyena sin? Not to do that. To be more concerned with self-indulgent things than to love God. Is it, would that not be the greatest sin? To love your image more than God? So that brings us to the text, Ephesians 5, 3 through 7. And it's, it's, just, it's so amazing because the God's word is alive and well. <laughs> it's alive. It's a life-giving word. We believe in sola scriptura here at Journey Church, just so you know, which means the Bible is our authority. Not papal authority, not pastoral authority. Jesus is the head and his word is our instruction. We align our life to his word. And look what he says. This was written nearly 2,000 years ago, and it speaks so loud to us today. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness. Listen, listen to Paul's heart here, okay? When you read the Bible, try not to let your mind wander. And say, oh, I, I was reading the scripture and had an idea. That must be what that means. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Let's not get too spiritual here. Try to think the thoughts of God after him. 
Think of why Paul was writing this. What does Paul want you to see? What does he want you to know? Think his thoughts after him. That's the goal. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater. And that person has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Quick parentheses. If it wasn't for the sovereign grace, the effectual calling of God on your life, if it wasn't for God intervening and waking up your dead heart, you would be there. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that we're not here because we are broken. We are born in sin. We're complete depravity. Left to our own, we are in trouble. But by His grace, we are saved. So Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, this is not popular in our culture today. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. God is absolutely holy. There's absolute, which means there's absolutely nothing like him. He is so perfect. And because of his perfectness, because of his holiness, wrath must be poured out on sin. Therefore, therefore, here's God's call. Don't be an idolater. Don't be endued with self-indulgence. Kill that stuff. Put that stuff to death. Do not become partners with those in the world seeking after these things and doing these things. So let's unpack the text quickly and we'll be wrapping up. But verse three, let's let's break this down. But all sexual immorality, let me define that for you real quick because this is where we get our word pornography. Pornia in the Greek and it's talking about fornication. (laughs) I mean, it's like people want to try out their husbands and wives before they get married. In our culture, it's just the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. You wait. You respect God and His law. You respect that girl or that boy and their purity before God and their parents and their future marriage that might not be you. You. All, and all impurity. So Paul says, avoid sexual immorality and all impurity. The all impurity here is alluding to every other sexual immorality you could imagine. Take your liberty. Or flat out just covetousness. Why do we fornicate? Why is there such a problem with fornication in the United States of America? Self-indulgence which is idolatry, which is covetousness. Why is sex, sex trafficking so bad? Self-indulgence. No regard for someone else. I just want my kicks, right? Which is idolatry. You're worshiping yourself, which is covetousness, see? And then I love this parenthesis because Paul says, this stuff, guys, it must not even be named among you. 
Don't even let there be a slant to that for those that are taking the name of Christ. One of the Ten Commandments is don't take the name of the Lord in vain. When you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, Galatians 3, you're putting on the name of Christ, and if you don't display it appropriately, you've taken the Lord's name in vain. So don't even let it be named among you. Don't even let it be named among you. These sexual immoralities, these all impurities and covetousness. If you're not different, you won't make a difference. And God called us to make a difference. He called us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that others may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven, Matthew 5. If the world sees you after the same sexual immoralities they're after, after the same shiny cars and houses they're after, we're not different. And when you're sad and depressed and beat up and down and no joy because you don't have these things, you're no different. You're not glorifying God. But when you are suffering and you still say, I trust you, Jesus. Let me rehearse Job for a moment. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When you have that disposition, that's salty. That's light in a dark place. That's glorifying your father with good works who is in heaven so that others may be drawn to him. Don't even let it be named among you. Set up some boundaries just to be pastoral for a moment. Men, don't let women text you. Women, don't text men. If men and women are to communicate in such manners, it should be in a group text. Take your liberty from there. Satan's looking for a foothold, guys. Don't let him have it. That's why he's like a, the Bible says Satan's like a lion walking around the planet seeking whom he can devour. Just waiting for someone who has no ill intentions, really, but they just don't have boundaries. And he slides right in. And if you think you can beat Satan, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> he slays us easily. But if it weren't for God... Okay, so that's that one. Verse 4, let's unpack verse 4, because this verse is the key. This verse is the key. So don't even let these, these, these things of the world be named among you. And then look what he says. Here's some more boundaries. Don't let there be any filthiness or foolish talk. No filthy talk, no foolish talk. Or crude joking. They're just out of place. You mean God regenerated your heart and you're telling dirty jokes? You mean God regenerated your heart and you're saying, I shouldn't say this, but pretend it's someone else. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're not being different. You're being an idolater. You're looking for a little glory, a little acceptance in the crowd, maybe. A, oh, that guy's funny. Be different. It's okay. Be different. And here's the key to all of it, guys. Here's the key. Here's, here's what I, if, 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 please take this home today. Please take this home. Instead of sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness and filthy talk or you know crude jokes, let there be thanksgiving to God. That's how you replace it. That's how you fix it. Please notice. Please notice here. 
Paul was set up. Paul was set up to just baffle us with the Ten Commandments that I read. He could have said, hey, Ephesians, hey, 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 believers in Ephesus, let's go back to Exodus 22 through 6. God commanded you not to be an idolater. And all these things you're doing are idolatry. You're breaking the law. But he didn't do that. Why? Why didn't he do that? Don't we want to pull a sword out and say, see, got you? No. And this is where, if you can get this, this is where the joy will flood your heart. We have been set free, Romans 8, from the law of sin and death. To put someone under the Ten Commandments is putting them right back under the law of sin and death. Paul says, you've been set free from that. So he doesn't correct us with the law. Christianity, Christ's coming, was not replacing the old law with a new one. It was replacing the law. It was fulfilling the law. Okay, not replacing it. The end of the, the law is good. The end of it is Christ. It's, yeah, bam. <laughs> right? Law, law, law. Christ. So where are we now? Where does that leave us? What does Paul say to do? It says... Be joyful and thankful. This is the new law we're under. You are commanded, hear this, you are commanded to enjoy God. And when you enjoy God, your life will be infused with never-ending joy that will get you through cancer. It will get you through a death of a child. It will get you through a loss of a job. It will get you through a drug addiction. It will get you through pornography. It will get you through everything. When you are just full of the love and joy of God, that's his command. Look, don't do those things. Do this. Be thankful. I love walking into the bathroom at work. I don't know why I do this. It's weird. (laughs) Some things I'm like, you know, I could have done without telling him that. But I love walking into the bathroom at work because you never know who's going to be in the stall with the door closed and just shouting scripture. (laughs) It may be the end of me, but I'll just walk in. and The Lord is righteous, and he surrounds the righteous with favor like a shield. (laughs) I'm sure the people and this it's guys I work with are like what the just go around you don't have to do that but just go around being thankful even when you're having a bad day this is why it's so important y'all that you memorize God's word yeah put it in your heart so you can slay Satan with God's word not with human effort when he's attacking you so you can slay your mind, you can put to death the things of the flesh as they are constantly berating you. That's the key. I command us by the word of God to enjoy God. What a treasure that God put in the field right there. Don't commit sexual immorality. Don't don't be covetous over Corvettes and just be thankful. I can remember when my son had cancer and Kelly and I thought we didn't even know. I can imagine where our minds went. I can remember, and I'm not, not, not glory to me, this is, it's only great, but I can remember saying things like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I thank you you're raising up a champion. make that your story okay seriously guys I know suffering stinks it's not fun but remember Romans 8 
I taught you this a couple weeks ago. The most edifying verse in the Bible, probably. Romans 8, 28, one of the most edifying verses in the Bible. You don't get it if you don't know the context. It's suffering and broken and, 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 and a creation that's groaning and suffering and hurt and sorrow and groaning and, and brokenness. But God is working in all things for the good to them that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. See, when you know that, you can, you can enjoy God in the most travail moments of suffering. And then verses 5 through 7 to wrap up our text today. Paul, I think, I think puts these here for probably multiple reasons, but one is to show us the severity of breaking the command of enjoying God. Five through seven, okay? This is the severity of breaking God's command to enjoy Him. You can be sure of this. Let me, let me just play with the words here for a minute. That if you enjoy sex more than God, pornography over God, money over God, your job over God, your followers on Cinegram over God. You are an idolater. You have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Why? Why? Because you committed idolatry, because you worshiped a statue, you worshiped this thing, you worshiped this image, you worshiped the stuff of America, and you loved it more than you cared to love me. I didn't have time to read the Bible, God. We had time to make a bowl of cereal, which is more important. Let's be real. Where are our priorities? We are commanded to love God. We are commanded to enjoy Him. In verses 5 through 7, I know they're not fun to read. I know they're not fun to read, but this is, this is the severity of not enjoying God. Please enjoy God. Please enjoy God. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You can't make up your mind that you're going to enjoy God. Because in five minutes, you'll be burned out. And you'll be thinking about something else. This can't be done in human effort. We have got to be constantly praying every 10 minutes or whatever. God, please open the eyes of my heart to you. I don't want to look at a tree and say, that tree is cool. I love trees. My father-in-law and I were looking at trees on the internet the other day, and we were like the oldest tree, and it's, that's cool. Why do I like trees? Because I see the beauty of my creator in it. You made a tree. <laughs> Can you make a tree? Can the greatest scientist on the planet, like, make a tree? <laughs> but God, look at me trees he's made. What, I, what I'm getting at, and make it your story, but guys, pray that God would let you see his beauty in everything. I see the beauty of God in dirt bikes. I'm not kidding. It's art, man. <laughs> and the only reason some dude could invent a cool dirt bike is because of God's glory. What is it for you? Is it music? Is it art? Is it houses? They don't have to be idols. They can be foundations of praise. I love the smell of rain. <laughs> Why? Because God is so glorious that he made it smell good. He didn't have to do that. It could just be water. 
It just smells good. You've got to, you've got, you can't do this on your own. God's spirit has got to open your eyes to his beauty in all things. You've got to ask him. We are commanded to enjoy God more than anything in the world. This is the first of all commandments. And this is why Paul cries out to us. Guys, lay aside every sin and weight that so easily besets us. It's so easy to get distracted with the coolest next Toyota Tundra. What up? God, don't let me, help me lay that stuff aside and love you. And as you add things to us, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. As he adds them to don't make them idols. Make them things where you say, look how God, look how good God is to me. I, I, why did I get that? I, I don't deserve that. This is a blessing from God. And tell the world. Go tell it on a mountain. Be evangelical for the love of the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to tell you one more thing and then wrap this up. This got me thinking. This message, it got me thinking. Okay, because I get frustrated a lot. I, I'm, I like for things to work, you know, and, and, and when they don't, you're like, you know, what happened? What's the problem? What? We've done that a thousand times. Why is it? It's not fun to be frustrated. It's not enjoyable to be frustrated, is it? That's a terrible feeling. Your heart feels angry. You just want to lash out. And someone gets in front of you going slow in the left lane, and it's not even that dramatic about you. are just frustrated, so you just ram them with the chrome horn. Right? <laughs> Don't do that. And they always have an Arkansas plate, and it's curious if you're from Arkansas. <laughs> but whatever it is. Sorry. I didn't mean to go there. <laughs> Okay, but whatever it is, you know, we get frustrated. Why? Frustrating is feeling upset and being annoyed because of the inability to change or achieve something. That's, if you look up the definition of frustration, that's what it is. And, and, and here, here, frustration is the fruit of the tree of idolatry in your life. The only reason we get frustrated is because of idolatries. Let me tell you why I say that. The Lord Jesus Christ, our God, creator of heaven and earth, is sovereign over everything. This is why I love the doctrines of grace. When you start learning these things, y'all, it changes everything. God is not fruity. He is so solid. He is so thought through. He is so smart. He is so intelligent. He is so glorious. Proverbs 16. You should, you should read Proverbs 16. Write that down. Or memorize it. Read Proverbs 16 and think about what it's saying. I love the verse where it says, when we sung this song that God is the ruler over all kings and rulers in all the earth, right? God said, a king's heart, Donald Trump, whoever, I do not care. That man's heart is like a river in my hand, and I'll turn it whichever way I choose. God is sovereign over everything, so be thankful for everything because he authored it, and therein you will have joy.
This is crazy. And if you don't have room for mystery in your theology, your theology of God is not big enough. You can't explain him. If you can look down and explain God, you're God, okay? But he is sovereign over evil, and he is sovereign over suffering, and he is sovereign over everything good. Therefore, step back when you get frustrated and say, okay, why am I trying to be God here? Why am I trying to be idolatrous? God, what is it that you are trying to do? Let me settle down and soak you up. Let me see your beauty in this so that I can be transformed. This is why God asks you to pray. You will never change his mind. You will never frustrate his will. He asks us to pray, to settle down and be changed by him. Therefore, we are frustrated. When we are frustrated, it's simply because things are not going the way we perceive they should. But they're going just the way God said they should. So here's the point. Be thankful unto him. Be thankful unto him. And bless his holy name. In what you perceive as evil, Genesis 50, 20, said, hey guys, I know you sold me into slavery and you did intend it for evil, but God is over evil and he intended it for good. Did you get that? When your kid gets cancer, it's evil, but God intended it for good. When you lose your job, I mean, whatever it is, rejoice in his holy name. Be thankful unto him and enjoy him. I'll leave you with this. Stand with me today. John 10, 10. Jesus said, guys, let me tell you something. I was reading John 10 the other morning, and I was, what a great chapter. Guys, let me tell you something. The thief, this is Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wants to enslave you with the desire for stuff. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have you ever thought to yourself, God, what is this abundant life you speak of? Guys, I ask God probably daily, what? This is the abundant life? Yes, it is. When you settle down and rejoice in him and be thankful you cannot begin to thank God for the graces in your life without getting joyful. You can't. It's like skipping. You can't skip without smiling. It's impossible. <laughs> Try it. You guys are going to go home and no one's watching. You'll start skipping. You're like, dang it, I am smiling. <laughs> okay, so here's how, here's how, here's how. Here's the treasure in the field. Here's the pearl of great price. Where we started. Mark 12, 28. One of the scribes came to Jesus and he said, Hey, buddy, if you're so smart, what's the first of all the commandments? Jesus said, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's how you get the joy. 
you love God more than anything else in the world. But let me be a broken record just for two more minutes and we're going to sing this song to God again. We're going to sing a song to God over again. You can't do this on your own. It must be done by God's grace through his spirit. Let's worship the Lord today.